Last time on From the Hip. Hey, Kath. Yes, Mish. <laughs> We've considered talking about women's sexuality and From the Hip. Melissa's a writer. She is a filmmaker. But this conversation today is about Melissa's midlife renaissance. When people don't do it, I get it because it's mm. so effing scary to change your life. Actually, that was my Sistine Chapel moment. And when I was in Greece, you know, my friends when I was leaving were like, oh, it's Shirley Valentine, you've got to go and watch that movie. And I'm like, oh, really? So I was kind of horrified at this kind of middle-aged woman, which I couldn't quite identify with, having a bit of a fling with a cute Greek man. Mm. But once I got there, I was like, not such a bad idea. Now settle in for part two of Sexuality and Serendipity. Melissa, you and I were also talking about vulnerability. And again, it's another term which is regarded as a weakness. Yes. Right. But in fact, if you are, if it's in the context of a relationship where the more vulnerable you allow yourself to be, then it just opens up realms for, of incredible discovery. Yes. I would agree with that. But it's brave. It's liberating. Yeah, but I I totally agree with you that people think making yourself vulnerable means that you're displaying some weakness. Mm. So where's all this come from? Patriarchy. Patriarchy. (laughs) No longer. (laughs) Well, the conversation has uh, hopefully shifted. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting. But it is brave. It is brave because like you, Melissa, I've probably done a bit more discovery in my 50s. being out of a, a traditional marriage and relationship. And it's really interesting when you talk to a lot of your married friends about what's going on in your world and what you're doing and who you're seeing and what's happening for you and what's showing up, is that the within the marriage thing, it's just so important and there's so much work that needs to be done before we get to break down. You know, talk about it. Gosh. Do, do you find they, they're responsive? Are they open for conversation well, or is it a, a girl, bit like, geez, girl, you're well, having fun and I'm not? Sort of. And, mm. you know, who's going, well, to, who's going to make the first move? Am I going to bring that up with my husband or is he going to bring it up with mm. me? He might not even know it exists. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I was certainly on that flip side of, you know, if, if someone had a more liberated sex life and they would be talking to me about it, I'm like, mm, I'm not really in that. And Yeah. Fuck. You know what? Uh, okay, I can't even have the conversation with you. I think well, there's I th- a lot of shame involved as well. Like it, the admission part of you know this isn't what it, I thought it was going to be like. This isn't what it's what it, you know how it should be. Somehow feeling responsible for it. You know somehow you're the one that's got to fix it and make it better. And so I think there's so many reasons that we just take it all on and and often. The, the blokes are oblivious or, you know, maybe they're getting it somewhere else and they're not admitting it. Um, you know, there's a whole heap of things that could be going on, but it's just like these elephants in the room where yeah. you go and, and, you know, still like it doesn't suddenly disappear. It's like, no, you know, keep naming the elephant, you know, looking yeah. at it and talking about it. And it just requires and, and you know, to have constant 
hard conversations. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, you get back to that whole patriarchal thing about, oh, you know, my wife's always got a headache or, you know, I know from talking to friends of mine, actually not all their husbands are into it either. Mm. So, you know, why are we being loaded with it? Mm. You know, why have women been the ones who are the ones who are put down because we don't have enough sex? Mm. You know, you might be snoring your ass off because you've had too many fucking beers. Well, that's not too bloody sexy either. No. You know, it's getting to understand what those triggers are and how you build up to it, you know, and I've been out with some wonderful men who have started tuning from the moment you see them. Yeah. Not the let's just go out for dinner and have a drink and then wham, bam. Yeah. We're into it. Yeah. They tune you from the moment they see you. Yeah. And that's wonderful. It's delicious. It is absolutely delicious because they actually really appreciate women and, you know, what's good for them or what's good for me is good for them. And I think there's another, you know, there's another perception again of we want women want so much we need so much and so therefore then well I, I've, I've got to I've got to give it all to her I've you know I can never meet her needs whereas in fact I think we actually only need a little bit mm. you know it might be the caress of your neck or it might be just a, a warm hand on your thigh and I mean that's when you're starved of that stuff that yeah. is just exhilarating yeah I know from experience yeah and, yeah. and sex doesn't mean um piv <laughs> abbreviation What's you know PIV? penis and vagina darling oh. Oh, I'll get with the program <laughs> I'll work I'll that penetration something something <laughs> well yeah, I was just going to add to this one of the um, you know essential listening things that I you know and I've got a list of other podcasts because mm. his name's Dan Savage and it's called the Savage Love of Cast, and he's a sex and relationship columnist, and he's a gay man, and he absolutely everything is on the table. So things that I had never heard or dreamt possible, he's just riffing on it and talking about it, and it's sort of like sometimes my kids would hop in the car and I was listening and I'd forget to turn it off and he's in the middle of talking about, you know, some sort of blow job or something and you know and, and it was just you know sort of normalizing it but also sort of freedom to talk so candidly was sort of uh, amazing for me to, to hear that and I couldn't identify with a lot of it because you know it, you know they all, all these callers are not gay but um it, it certainly has a bit of a gay slant but another one is um Juliet Allen and she's mm. you know she'd have topics like the art of cock worship or mm pussy worship and mm. so you know there's sort of these eye-catching titles mm. and she does and courses like you can sign up for her courses she's she she borders on I I I admire her her outward and you know her outward delivery but for me then she sort of then moves into that oh, I'm fabulous and Byron Ban I found you know the sexual part of my life and she does all these sort of really moody photos and which then counteracts that courage for me yeah and but I think one of the you know one of the things I mean even talking now but one of the things I think of when I was listening to her was what if your mum listens to this like, what, mm. what, what does she or do you care and obviously she doesn't care so I was like can I get to a point where I don't not that I don't care but that that's not going to stop me you know like mm. that, that sort of judgment in my head that little voice in my head that's going 
you really shouldn't be talking about this or my kids tuning in, like that's why I was asking you, Mish, if your kids mm. isn't. So it's, it's such a fine line of, you know, suppressing and holding things down because you don't want to rock boats, upset people and say say too much, but it's like you've only got one life. Yeah, and, and I think it's that's a very valid point, Melissa, because I think it's really important that our children still see us as sexual beings, you know, albeit we're doing it appropriately and we're not being outrageous and exposing them to different blokes every night and that's hideous, but actually understanding that we still have a need, that we're not dead. I think Mm. that is really important, Mm. really, and it's a really big message for Mm. them for their own sexuality Mm. going forward. And total counterpoint to the middle-aged woman being invisible. That's right. Because I'm not buying that shit. No, I'm not invisible. No, No, exactly. No way. Yeah. But you need to have that liberation to 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 feel the visibility if you're in a shit relationship and you're dormant and mm. essentially your sexuality let alone your emotional interaction is dormant then I totally understand the invisibility yeah i think mm. it, it just happens that organically one wears mm. yeah mm. yeah so it's it's like um i just feel like i would describe it as sort of being not fully asleep because in other aspects of my life mm. I've often, but there's that sort of part that was shut down and I didn't know it was shut down. So that awakening, it's a bit like, you know, the sleeping beauty myth, but it you know, is. it's all internally. And yeah. it's like how do you sort of wake her up again and go, that's right, you know. Yes. I am, yeah. I am a powerful, passionate, creative woman and, don't fuck with me, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think it becomes an energy too. Yes. It becomes an energy that you exude. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Because your whole yeah. face changes. You've got more yes. confidence and sass. You, you're sassy. Yeah, and you're giving it off. Right? And yeah, and the interactions are fabulous. Yeah, yeah. And they're not necessarily sexual or flirtatious or anything. That it's it it's the fact that you're open. You're not closed. Yeah. There's a, there's a resignation to that dormancy, I think. And yeah. that, again, there's some all-pervasive messaging that it still exists. Oh, you're middle-aged. Oh, you don't have sex anymore. Oh, yeah, no one's really going to look at you. Oh, I don't really need to do this or do that for myself. Well, why not? Yeah. No, I think that's good. Melissa, I think you've been an incredibly brave person and I, I think you've been incredibly brave coming on to talk about it because mm. – you know, we need to talk about it. We need to empower women to look at this in their own lives and men too, yeah. you know. I, and also a, we're talking in the heterosexual street. world too. So well, we are. Other, yeah, we that's are. because we're all heterosexual women. Well, that's right. But And, you know, I'm sure that that needs to exist in gay couples, of mm. course, or mm. non-binary, whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we're just talking about it from our own experience. But I think that is just phenomenal. And actually going and doing that work, it will all be pleasurable work by the sounds <laughs> I'll have I'll have what she's having um I reckon that's brilliant I mean that's just so brave and good on you yep hooray hooray Let's well I'm hoping it. it'll continue because you know like it's like these growing edges you know we've all got them and it's this sort of sitting in a I've always had this sort of fascination with being in a comfort zone you know that you know I'm always seeking comfort and yet growth is always outside of that well that's interesting because I shared a thing on my Instagram the other day about comfort zones and let me just read you to it was a picture and it says and I sent it to someone oh 
it says the best things in life are often waiting for you at the exit ramp of your comfort zone. Mm. And that's Karen Selmanson. God love her. But, you know. Well, that's the leap of it, faith again. That's right. Mm. That's right. And mm. pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is sometimes really hard. Mm. And may we see you on the podium and on that platform, Melissa, it's speaking to a room full of people and liberating a room full of people. I yeah. want to see that. So yeah. Well, I've always had, a, you know, like, you know, apart from wanting an Oscar award for the films I was going to make. That <laughs> the going next, to? You still can. Still can. And then there was the TED Talk that I was definitely going to be doing. So that, you know. There, here we go. That, this is the TED Talk. Esther Perel, move over. Melissa well, I, Reimer is here. <laughs> I love Esther Perel. I do too. Yeah. She is my, you know, I She's worship goddess. her. But yeah. yes, but thank you guys. I appreciate, you know, your questions. And yeah, it is a bit scary coming out, really, is what it is. Um, yeah. But if you can't do it at this point in your life, then I don't know when you can. So, well, thank you for your courage. Yeah. And your candor. Absolutely. And your candor. Yeah. Yeah. And we're looking forward to more of your journey. All the seas. Courage and candor. That's what we need. You got courage and candor, do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. I've rediscovered it. Ballsy chick. Yeah. Well, ballsy chicks. (laughs) Ballsy chicks, you know. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Melissa. I just think that's been an amazing conversation on uh, from the the hip underscore podcast. Really appreciated it. It we'd love to have some feedback, wouldn't we? We always oh, we want feedback. Now that. get off your asses and feedback. I know. I know. And we're going to put up. I'm. I'm sure you've got lots of great links that we can yeah. put up on the, the website too for people to go and they could just investigate quietly and yes, then they right. can get loud about it. And then they can scream potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Bad with that. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. See you. Okay. Lovely work. Bye. Thanks, honey. We didn't go into, oh, let's be sensationalist about this at all. Mm. I don't think so. No. I think it's just it's highlighting that it's a conversation that people need to be having. Need to have. And this is what we wanted to do at the outset of From the Hip. We wanted to generate conversation because there's not enough conversation that exists, I think, in our age bracket and, you know, bits either side, but we're in our age bracket. Well, I don't know. I just think maybe you find your voice. Once you've found your, your groove again, and, and I don't think it needs to be leaving a marriage necessarily. I think this is a huge issue for couples. Mm. I, it's, not, it's not something that should just be the realm of, you know, single women who have left marriages and found themselves. I think this is a conversation that needs to start when you get married. And you see, the thing for me is no one taught me how to be married. Mm. Who teaches you who how to be married? Who does teach anyone? No one. No. Well, oh, unless your mothers are completely open. I mean, imagine now if you wrote mm-hmm. a list, like for, you know, like a checklist of things for people thinking about getting married. Mm. And um, it still says recording. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, no, no, we're going. still recording, yeah. Um, but like if, if you were to say, you know, what are your values around, you know, come up with a whole sort of hot topic key things and see what the other person says. How do you see money? What's your relationship to money? How do you imagine we will share our money or will we do it? Like the things that, and you probably don't know, but you're just putting them on the table as things instead of like what I did, which is, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll worry about it later. And why would you talk about that? And, mm, yeah. and, and sort of like these hard topics that are, are sort of are usually what 
pulls us apart. And yeah. like, you know, and obviously with sex, particularly, and, and you know, if you think of, and I think Esther Perel or someone has said, you, you almost have to look at these long marriages as, as different chapters. So, you know, mm. you've, you've ended this chapter of pre children, mm. now into this new one, you have to renegotiate. Yeah, what renegotiate. Look like. And then come back again and see, okay, is it working or not? What do we need to change? How do we make it better? How do we prioritise our relationship, our sex life? What sort of things can we do for that? And, and, and you know, it's like just keep coming back together and, and assessing and being really honest about things and it's not always fun or easy, but, uh, you know, and, and no one's telling you to do that, you know. No, I totally agree. And, I, you know, my argument is who signs a contract that's just open-ended? It needs to be three by three by three by three, right? Mm. We need to be renegotiating, having a conference every so couple of true. years or when you get to the different chapter in your life. And I don't know many couples who can actually do that. No. And I wasn't one of them either No, because I didn't know to do that. No, same. So you just go on the path. Yeah, and you just make it up as you go along. Mm. It's shitful, really. Mm. I mean, you go and learn how to have a baby why can't you go and learn how to be married mm. you know and learn about that stuff I, you know it's it, there's a huge conversation around this mm. and, I mean that's why Esther's good because she is married and she does use herself a little bit as an example um but yeah the, you know it's not to sort of just gloss over and go you know these are untouchables these people who've been married forever and I don't know what their secret is but they've got it and I wish I had it but it's like you know, rip off the, the the pink glasses again and go, no, it's work. You know, we have yeah. really hard times. We disagree about things. We have to learn how to fight better. We have to learn, you know, when it's not working, what, you know, what steps do we take? Or I went off and had a fling for a, a week and mm. you know, no one knows that. But, you know, like there's, there's all these pathways that we, it's all invisible. So we feel like failures because we're sitting on the other side going, well, they know how to do it. I don't mm. know why I didn't get that memo. But it's yeah. just this cone of silence again that um, is really damaging. But it's yeah. also, it is, I think it's also, as you mentioned before too, Kath, that there, it's a point of maturity. I had a conversation mm. with an old friend of mine today and he was talking about his son who has been living with his girlfriend for six years. And so there's this, you know, you're gonna do, they bought a house together, but there's no children. And so, you know, does he want to have children? Yeah, he wants to have children. And it's like, okay, so what's happening next? Oh, well, you know, we're wondering about this. And I said, does he love her? And he didn't answer. He went into this whole other conversation. I said, hang on a sec. You've just spoken for five minutes and you didn't answer my question. Mm. And he, I said, have you had these conversations with him? Mm. And he said, well, in fact, I did. And my son said to me, oh, well, we've sort of invested. The boy is 30. We've invested too much time. So already. I suppose we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. And I'm like, stop him right there yeah like the gut is not there don't there's okay maybe he loses it's just stuff at this stage it's stuff in your house and the house is stuff right he's mm. 30 he's already professional you know even if she cleans him out he's got a lot of life left to go and make it again or whatever but it's like don't don't just go with it just listen to your gut but you have to have that or level or of- fix it well, yeah, but maybe it's not fixable. Well, it might not be. No, but if you but don't it, investigate, how are you ever going to know? That's right. But at, at that at that point of your life, can you have enough confidence in your gut to go just to listen to it? Well, that's it's ma- never that's wrong. maybe where, where your parents come in, you know, yeah. and having that conversation about but teaching often you how the parents- to be your wife. But my parents wouldn't have given me the right information, or my mum wouldn't have. So she would have said, "No, you stick with it." 
I'm going to be drilling that into my girls in the, yeah. at, the, at the point of a serious relationship. What is your gut doing? Yeah. Well, never you know, lies. we've got a big responsibility going yeah. forward. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Mm. Anyway. All right. Okay. Fabulous. Should we all sign up? Are you guys having dinner now? What's yeah. dinner? Yeah. What's for dinner, Kat? Just is a zucchini frittata. And oh, so yum. I always get fed very so well. Yeah, yeah. Nothing very exciting. Oh, I wish <laughs> yeah. the guests got dinner as well. We Sorry, can, I can't we spirit it over to you, Tells. <laughs> we'll have dinner again soon, I'm sure. I'd yeah. love that. That'd yeah, that'd be Yeah, great. let's do that. Let's and do thank that. you so much. Yeah. Really brave. Right. Okay, Dells. Thanks, Annie. Bye. Bye, babe. Bye. From the Hip is a weekly podcast featuring Kath and Mish for and on behalf of From the Hip Enterprises, recorded in the studios of From the Hip. You can subscribe and find more episodes of From the Hip at fromthehip.live, on Instagram at fromthehip underscore podcast, search for From the Hip on Facebook, and download wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. Until next time, stay fine, stay fearless, stay hip. Hip.